Hey guys, Pastor Matt Chandler here. Uh, one of the themes that comes out in The Overcomers over and over and over again is the centrality of God's word to encourage and build up his saints. It's why I love uh, Dwell Bible app. It's an app for listening. Uh, I, I kind of use it in the margins of my day. I like to listen to, depending on my mood, uh, Mark or Felix throw on some ambient music and then in my truck or in my study or uh, in a few minutes between this meeting going into that, soak again in the word of God. Uh, they, they've given us kind of an awesome deal here for a yearly subscription. If you go to dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, they're giving us 25% off an annual subscription. So if you're looking for more Bible in your life, in the margins of your life, not just kind of traditionally listening, but listening while you work, listening while you drive. I couldn't recommend the Dwell Bible app more highly. I remember having a dark moment of if you take all those pills right now, yeah, we're done with this. Yeah, that was dark. That is. And I, he came in the room, and I'm, I'm like having a breakdown. I'm literally losing my mind in this moment. So I just remember thinking, I just cannot live like this anymore. Well, hey, Matt and Katie Murph, like some of my favorite people. Like, mm -hmm. no, not just because you're here. Like I've said to other people when you're not around that you guys are some of my favorite people. And so I'm glad um, that you guys can come on to The Overcomers. Part of what I want to do in the telling of your story today, specifically Katie, but Matt, you certainly have been right in the thick of it, is I, I think the uniqueness of your story, Katie, as I've gotten to watch and pray and contend for you, is that it, it's not just been one thing. It's been a series of things where after a decade, we're like, goodness sakes, can can my friend get a break? So why don't we pick up the story in college, world by the tail, college Katie, life at the party, <laughs> and then what, what starts to happen? Yeah, so college, I mean, was so fun, so great. Cheered in college, grateful to have been able to have done that. I just started having abdominal pain every month, which every woman typically has, but mine just kind of elevated and became greater than normal pain and, and was probably 50% of the month versus okay. just a little bit of the month. And so went went to some doctors, got some testing done and found out that I had endometriosis. And so that was just something that I didn't even know what it was, but it was definitely something that I was struggling with and, and was starting to affect my life because again, I wasn't in pain once a month like a normal person. It was half the month I was very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of was probably some of the beginning of just some physical pain and suffering. And then just through college and cheerleading, I ended up hurting my wrist, um, getting ready for nationals, and I shredded a bunch of ligaments in my left wrist. was able to just wrap it up and compete and do all the things, but I had surgery two days after nationals, okay. which ended uh, college cheerleading for me, rightfully so. I mean, there was so much damage done to continue would have been foolish. But um, so, yeah, I... That injury in college was was a doozy. And so that that moved me back to Texas, which is where I was born and yeah. raised, went to school in Kentucky. That was my first memories of true, like— it's kind of foreshadowing of yeah, some things Yeah, I mean, come. never would I have thought, like, looking 
20 years down the road plus, there'd just be a lot more of that to come, just little versions yeah. of it, you yeah. know? You, you two meet, date, fall in love, get married. Um, and, and even as you're getting married, the, like some of the conversation has to be about, hey, I'm, I, can, I can be in some significant pain. Yeah. Um, quite some time. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just like, hey, this is something that I struggle with. And, you know, it, it doesn't appear to be a major issue right now. I mean, some people have infertility problems, some people don't. Like, it, that wasn't really on our radar at that time. But we get married, that's like a non-factor for us. We're so in love and we're going to get married and we're just so excited about that. But about two years into marriage, the endometriosis just really revved up. I mean, it had... It had progressively been getting worse and worse and more painful. And and then at this point, it's, you know, more than 50% of the time. Um, it's it's probably about 75% of the time. And um, just talking with my doctor, too, he was like, you know, if you, if you guys feel like you want to have kids and start a family one day, I think that it would be in your best interest to go ahead and try to do that now or sooner rather than later because— the endometriosis is just getting worse. And I'd already had a surgery where they okay. kind of went in and lasered some of the stuff off just to try to clean it up a little bit yep. to help. And that did help. That was early um, in marriage. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, hey, let's maybe try to have kids a little bit earlier than maybe we would have sure. put on paper, you know, entering into marriage. But still, we we got a good two years without kids. And um, we thought, well, let's give it a good go and tried to get pregnant on our own probably for about two months, which is 10 seconds in the scheme of things. I <laughs> yeah. mean, really. But the pain was so bad um, that I was like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And so the doctor was like, let's do another laparoscopic surgery and laser and clean everything up just to also give maybe you guys a little bit better of a chance in conceiving. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we did another surgery where they went in, kind of cleaned up as much endometriosis as they could while still taking precautions because we were trying yeah. to conceive a child during that time. And little did we know, I guess the last hurrah before that surgery, we conceived Ava and we had no idea. Okay. And so baby girl was in there, um, just a little twinkle. And um, <laughs> and I had laparoscopic lasers on my uterus and all my lady parts. And and we had no idea. While pregnant. While, yeah. yeah. And even, you know, did a pregnancy test in the hospital the morning of surgery negative because it was just... It was a twinkle. It was a twinkle. Just a little twinkle. And so after surgery, you know, everything's just different because you're recovering and all of that stuff. So um, long story short, we were pregnant. We had no idea, um, but we were able to conceive a baby, and we were so grateful because endometriosis had gotten to a point where it's like, ooh, that wasn't really something I had considered that we would never be able to have children, yeah. but it was kind of starting to become a real thought. And so we were just so grateful that we were able to have, to get pregnant and and sustain a healthy pregnancy full term. And she's 17 on Thursday. Sweet Ava. I know. She's awesome. Sweet Ava. So yeah, that, that's where the endometriosis started. And then, you know, after that, three years later, we had Addie, who's our second daughter, and yeah. she's about to be 14. Another healthy pregnancy. We had no issues with that either. And so truly having two pregnancies and childbirth is something that naturally helps endometriosis. Okay. So after Addie's birth, I really did not suffer or struggle with okay. endometriosis for years and years and years and years. And so I had several years there where I was kind of living my best life. So you um, kind of felt like, okay, aside from that, survived that wave, survived that yeah. kind of season. Yes. We get to the other side of endometriosis. Yeah. We've got two beautiful, 
beautiful baby girls. And and then what what's the next wave that comes? The next wave was Lyme disease, and that was a doozy. So Addie was about a year and a half, and um, I just started feeling really run down and tired, like every single mom with young sure. children. Um, but this was a little bit different. It was in the fall when I started to kind of notice it, but I had really overcommitted myself to hosting like a holiday market at my house. We had huge family Thanksgiving stuff. Um, I, I hosted another Christmas party, and I've got, you know, toddlers and all. I just figured I was burning the candle at both ends, but I started to get these crazy arm aches. It, it was really from like my eyes, my neck, and my arms is really kind of where it manifested itself. Um, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I remember my eyes, like, you know, if you get the flu, you just kind of have eye aches and it hurts to look in the corner. It was very similar to that, but heightened and just so extremely painful. I mean, I literally could not move my eyes. Um, and then my arms, it's like my bones ached. It was such a deep, unique pain I'd never experienced before. I'd never heard of before. And so, um, I, again, I think that in my brain, I'm still just like, it's the holidays. I've overcommitted myself. Yeah. I've got a lot going on. And it was after we got on the other side of the holidays, um, little Addie's upstairs in her crib, and she's waking up from her nap. And so she's kind of stirring, and she starts fussing. And I realized that I am so weak and in so much pain that I can't, I physically cannot get up the stairs. And I'm a very fit person yeah. right now. <laughs> but I used to be, I was and I was in excellent and shape. And a high tolerance to pain too. So for yeah. Katie to say that this is painful, that, that puts the rest Means of us. something. We're already yeah. living the ER for most people. And she's like, yeah. it's starting to hurt. I'm like, well, yeah. Then, yeah. then it's serious. So in that moment, I think I realized, well, first of all, I have a baby crying. And I have a three-year-old in the house playing with Barbie somewhere. And... I cannot get upstairs, um, and my baby's crying. And so my mom lives in my neighborhood, at, you know, this, at this point. And so I have to call my mom and basically say, Nana, I am a lot, yeah. I'm a lot worse off than I thought I was. So um, she rushes over. And again, like this whole time, I, I'm trying to get up the stairs, and I physically can't. Um, and so my mom comes over and, and she gets Addie and, and just kind of takes over. And I just drive to the doctor. I mean, it's like, well, someone drives me to the doctor. Sure. Um, I get to the doctor and it's like, I have no idea what's going on. This is how long it's been going on. And so my family physician basically runs a bunch of tests. He kind of thinks he knows what's going on. I think based on just some of the aches that I have, he had a family member okay. uh, with Lyme disease. So he was actually pretty familiar with it. A lot of doctors are not. Yeah familiar with it. Um, anyway, so he runs a ton of tests and I get the results back and sure enough, I have Lyme disease and that was just like, okay, I don't even, I think I've heard of it. I mean, I certainly like limes in my water and mm -hmm. cook with it or whatever, but I don't know what Lyme disease actually yeah. is. And I've never been bit by a tick. I have no, you know, it's really out of left field. So yeah. do a month long of antibiotics that don't work. They don't do anything. They don't touch it. Get in touch with the number one infectious disease doctor in Dallas he kind of scratches his head at it, runs a bunch of tests, still comes back extremely strong, along with some other, you know, random things. And he's like, okay, we need to do weekly IV antibiotics and all these things. And, you know, Matt's really kind of starting his business and we don't have the time or the money. And I'm, I've am i got two young kids at home. I can't drive to Dallas every week and yeah. sit there for hours and do IV antibiotics. And so it kind of a long story short, I learned a lot about just juicing and fasting in general 
And so ultimately, that was something that I decided to try before going the weekly IV antibiotics. And so 14 days of fasting. Okay. And praying. And um, everything just vanished. Okay. All, all the symptoms, all the aches, all the pains. I also could not sleep during this time, which was crazy because I was so exhausted. But couldn't um, sleep. I forgot I also had mono. That <laughs> was another co-infection that I was struggling with. I had mono, which like what you do for mono is sleep. Yeah. Um, but the Lyme disease created insomnia. So I was struggling with Lyme disease and mono and um, unable to sleep. Okay. So I was a bit insane. Um, I think when things go bad like that, you start to look for what can I control? Yeah. And it was like diet. We can just go down the rabbit hole as far as possible and figure out what can we do from an intake point of view to help stem this off. And so that's where, I mean, young married couple looking into fasting was like, yeah, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? That was the solution. Let's not eat for two weeks. Or juicing. Yeah. It's like, okay. yeah, because that's yeah. fun. Yeah. Like. It was so hard. But I mean, after day five, I really started to actually get a little bit of energy. Okay. And I started sleeping for the first time. Um, and, you know, it was easy to kind of finish out because it's like it had already been beyond two months at this point of from the moment I could not go up the stairs. Yeah. So really it had been about five months. Yeah. So yeah, that whole 14 day fast and pleading with the Lord, because it was like, I felt like I'm fighting for my life at this point. Um, still, I could not pick up Addie. Okay. She was just a sweet little pumpkin. Um, but I, I physically did not have the strength in my arms. My arms ached so bad. Yeah. I could not pick her up. I, I was going to ask a little bit about how the interaction with the girls was in this season. <laughs> you know, you've got these two beautiful little girls yeah. and they want to interact and play and, but just not have, just not have the juice for that and then not have the strength even uh, yeah. to pick them up. The lime mono combo out of nowhere with no tick, no backstory, just randomly there's Lyme disease here in, in, in my body somehow. Yeah. I mean, it was hard, you know, and it's been, honestly, it's been so long since I've really thought through some of this stuff, but looking back, it's like, yeah, I mean, there was a short season where I could not pick Addie up. So maybe Matt had to go get her or my mom spent more time at our house. Like when I knew that she needed to go down for a nap in her crib, and that was probably the reaching over the crib rails and getting her, I needed somebody to pick her up. Um, but I remember I spent so much time, we had a playroom upstairs and it was just this massive carpeted room and we just had junk everywhere. I mean, it was like a playhouse. And so I just would sit on the ground and try to play with Ava, watch Addie crawl around and um, and still just try to be present. I mean, I still read them books and you know, I don't look back in that time and feel like I was robbed yeah. of those sweet little precious years. Oh, praise God. Um, because mm -hmm. I feel like I was able to just kind of figure it out, power through and figure it out. So, you know. And they were young enough that they probably didn't know any sure. different anyway. I mean, coloring was the highlight of the day. Yeah. So it wasn't like we were, you Still. know, we were like not even riding bikes at this point. Yeah. So, like, the physical parenting part was so low key. We would just sit down and play Play Doh and we would color and, um, you know, play with little dolls and little things like that. She would do my hair. I remember sitting down and Ava, beauty shop, man. She loved her some beauty I shop. Believe it. So I could just sit there and let her brush and pull all of my hair oh, yeah. out. Um, you know, so I feel like I was able to participate okay, in that. Good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, me too. I'm grateful because it could have just been not Harder. that. Yeah. yeah. So then we, we get through endometriosis. We have a little bit of a respite. And then the lime mono combo, and then 14 days of fasting and praying and juicing. And, yeah. and then that 
all the symptoms kind of quell from yeah. there. What comes next, Katie? So I feel like we had we had some time in there where it was like life was good. I was healthy. I was strong. Our family was thriving. We made lots of memories. We traveled with the kids. Um, but the endometriosis kind of came back. Okay. Is kind of what the next probably wave is, if you will. Um, it just came back with a vengeance. It was mad. And um, it just was... A hundred percent of the time. It eventually worked itself up to I'm in pain a hundred percent of the time, not fifty percent of the month or seventy-five percent of the month. Every single day I am in so much pain. And then at this point, um, I also now had adenomyosis, which is different than endometriosis, but very similar. Okay. Um, and at this point now I'm really struggling with getting ovarian cysts. Okay. Um, and those things erupt and are excruciating. That's just a moment of, wow, that is take your breath away, painful. Okay. So this is something that kind of, you know, slowly comes, but just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and so, yeah, we finally get to the point where, you know, we, we've had the conversation that we feel like our family is precious at four and that we're yeah. done having children. I think we'd kind of come to an agreement that we both were on the same page that I think our family's complete. I think the workshop is ready to be <laughs> shut down. And so, you know, the conversation with my doctor is, um, I think you need to consider a hysterectomy, which man, you know, I, I didn't think that would be as difficult. And how old were you when this conversation's happening? Well, probably low 30s, because I think what was materializing was the doctors, if we rewind 10 years, they saw this down the road. Yeah. They're like, well, the way to fix this is just take everything out. Yeah. But before we had yeah. kids, it was, it was, I think they were telling us what we could um, receive yeah. and not overwhelm us of like, hey, you know, if you guys want to have kids, you get should, on it. You should, yeah, you should get on it. Start because that, that thing's coming out as soon as you guys, yeah. I think as soon as they got the win that we might be done, they're like, okay, let's schedule okay. this and get her done. So I think the conversation to where it got really serious on like, it's, it's time to not mess around with this anymore, yeah. um, was about seven years ago. Uh, they kind of say, hey, a hysterectomy is really the inevitable and something that you really strongly need to consider. And so it took me a hot minute to consider, although I was in so much pain, yeah. it's very final for a woman. I mean, you almost feel like, I don't know, it, it's it's a lot more emotional than I think I ever would have imagined. Okay. Um, like saying you're done and factually being done are two different things. Yeah. And it's removing your womb. Yeah. For me, I never thought until it came down to putting like pen to paper and scheduling the surgery, it was a lot harder to do um, emotionally than I had ever anticipated because it was, I mean, we think we're done having kids, but like now we're done, done. Yeah. Um, and, and they were going to remove my womb and I had babies and it, there's just something sweet and precious yeah. about that. But at the same time, it's attacking me. And mm -hmm. so we need to get that thing out. Yeah. So starting to wrap my brain around that. And um, in that time, Matt went on a mission trip with the church to Berlin. And while he was gone, I had one of the toughest weeks of my life, I think, um, just holding down the fort, but my endometriosis just went bananas. And I had a cyst um, erupt while he was gone. And I was just in the most pain I think I'd ever been in that night laying in bed. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, it is time. 
to schedule. And so literally days later, he gets back from Berlin and we go to Encounter that night. And we're at Encounter. And I haven't even had, like, I think he lands from Berlin like that morning. Yeah. And then we're at Encounter a couple of hours later. So I have not even had time to sit down with him and unpack like, so this is what happened when you were gone. Yeah. How was your week? Hope you had a good time. <laughs> yeah. We, we've not had the chance to even have the conversation on, okay, I got to schedule the surgery. You get up on stage at Encounter. And just while we're doing worship, you know, a lot of times you pray and, and the Lord will sometimes give you a vision or mm-hmm. a word to share with anybody in the room. That particular night, you said, the Lord's given me some words, and um, I don't know if it resonates with anybody in the room, but the two words that you said that night were endometriosis and ovarian cysts. I guess that's three words. Endometriosis and ovarian cysts, and I swear I just like melted to the ground. Because yeah. I, I felt like that was the Lord directly mm-hmm. communicating with me, Katie Murph girl, this is a problem, and it is just, it's time to get this figured out. And so, came. I mean, you that was waiting. just... That was a waiting that moment. That was a waiting. Both of us were like, oh, it's... it's. Yeah. And then I'm like, by the way, when you were gone, I mean, this is all during prayer. I was yeah. like, when you were gone, and then I'm trying to unpack and I can't even hardly talk. Yeah. I'm crying. I'm so overwhelmed by emotion and just the Lord being like, I see you. Yeah. I see you in this. And I know what you've been struggling with. And I know what the last 48 hours have looked like. Um, and so to get kind of that direct communication from the Lord with just this situation and that He sees me and I'm not alone in it, but it's time to do something about it. And this is the path that I need to take to do something about it. Yeah. It's very clear in that moment. And so we get home and we're trying to trying to look at our schedule with like, when is it a good time to have a hysterectomy? That's a massive surgery. A That's a for a mom with kids, I mean, yeah. you know. Homeschools. Right. Yeah. It's like when when would be a good time to take her out for a couple weeks? Yeah. Never. Apparently there's never That's a, a good, good time. time. Never. Never a good so time. So we kind of dance with our schedule and we're like, okay, well, maybe after this summer. So we kind of said, all right, as soon as as soon as the kids get back into school, we can get some help and and do that. So fast forward to that time. My dad suddenly has a massive stroke in brain aneurysm and is holding on for dear life. And that just kind of that was just out of left field. There was no warning signs for that. He was in perfect health, no yeah. medication. Like he was just completely healthy. And they so, live two miles away. We see them yeah. five times a yeah. week. We saw or at least talked to my parents every single day. I mean, I talked to my mom like, you yeah. know, she's my homegirl. Yeah. So I talked to her all the time. But my dad especially, he was always my biggest fan. Yeah. And um, he could always cheer me up. The dude was hysterical. Yeah. Um, and so... It was just great to sit down and have a conversation with him. It didn't matter what was happening or what time of day it was. Just any time with him was a blessing and a gift. And so, yeah, he was very involved. I had a very close relationship with my dad. And so this was just devastating. Again, we just it, it was out of left field. Yeah. I mean, we hung out with—we saw him the night before, um, just completely happy and yeah. normal and just laughing and cutting up like he always did. And so this just— came out of nowhere. And so it just really devastated our family. And did you, you postponed then the hysterectomy? Postponed or? then. Yeah. So a little bit more about that situation of losing my dad. My mom was out of town um, in Colorado on a girl's trip and we just couldn't get a hold of my dad that day. And so Matt and I are the ones that kind of, you know, Matt and a police officer entered the home and found him asleep basically, but he was really in a deep yeah. coma, but he was alive and breathing. 
he lived in ICU for a whole week. They were able to wake him up. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of up and down, like there's no hope. We've never seen this much brain damage. He's never going to open his eyes again. Four hours later, he opens his eyes and gives thumbs ups. And so that was, it just came out of left field and just trying to navigate is he going to live? Is he going to be in hospice for six months because his body was healthy? He just had an assault to his brain. And so there was a lot for my mom to wrap her brain around. And I think um, it almost paralyzed her. So okay. I really had to step into the role of, I mean, it took her Basically a good, making all the medical decisions yeah. on this person's future. Yeah, You know, we know his wishes, but now we know that it's, it's not always black and white. Yeah. You can write on paper, these are my wishes, and then you get into the hospital and you have this number of things going on. It's just like, okay, unfortunately, all that actually goes out the window because yeah. it's far more gray than that. Sure. So with the ups and downs of that, the taxing, and it was like, you know, Katie was really the one having to uh, play family leader of here's how we need to kind of continue to, do we do surgery again? Do we do some more cutting? Do we do some more, th-? you know, it was, yeah, it was and a I think, messy week. Yeah. I think it started because week. my mom wasn't here when it yeah. all went down. And so I was at the emergency room dealing with all the surgeons and there was a clot that they wanted to cut out. And, and we were just trying to give them the best shot yeah. at, that we could. So I think even when she got here, I had been the one kind of running the show with the doctors and nurses and, you know, and we worked alongside that together, my mom and I. But I mean, in a way, she just kind of leaned on me because I think sure. in some weird way, I had a more clear headspace because maybe I had a little bit longer to wrap my brain around it. I don't know. Yeah. And so I kind of had to step into that role of being the pillar of strength for the family and and just kind of holding my mom up okay. and helping her, you know, work through this. We were planning an 80th birthday party for my dad, like yeah. in two months. We'd already, you know, we we had all these plans to celebrate his life in a different way. Yeah. And so I think, you know, it just really rattled her yeah. um, in a sense. So it took several months to a year of me helping be that strength for my mom. And that's where all my focus went was just to helping her and then grieving on my own. Absolutely. I mean, what a huge loss, the greatest loss I've ever experienced. And so anything aside from that just took a backseat. Yeah. But but the physical pain still remains. Still there. Yeah. Physical pain is still there, but at the same time, it's almost like shut up and get in the back row. I don't have time yeah. for you. Um, I'm so over you reminding me daily <laughs> yeah. that there's a problem. Yeah. I need to be sad for my dad. Yeah. I need to be there for my mom. We need to rejoice in the life and the godly man that he was um, and the legacy that he leaves. Like there, there were so many other things that we wanted and needed to spend time grieving and celebrating, yeah. if you will. And then finally, it's time to plan the surgery. It was about a year after. after. One of the one of the ways we're able to bring these stories to you is by partnering with organizations that I've grown to trust and appreciate and love over the last couple of years. Uh, Dwell, the Dwell Bible app, if you followed my ministry, you know I've mentioned it before. It's just one of my favorite tools, like in my own devotional life, my own study life, uh, to find more ways um, to hear the Word of God, to absorb the Word of God, to have the Word of God top of mind for me. Uh, and so I've used it devotionally. Uh, I've used it in regards to just, uh, I'm, I'm currently studying the book of Daniel. And so all day today, I've had the, the Daniel read by Mark with ambient music in the background playing on my phone in my truck uh, as I, you know, uh, walked outside a little bit earlier this morning, just finding ways 
um, to have the Word of God um, absorbing into my system. And, and the, the design, the, the beauty of the app, uh, the various kinds of music that can play under, uh, the accents that can go to. There are so many aspects of the app that could serve to stir your affections for Jesus, depending on preference and desire. Dwell is offering listeners of The Overcomers 25% off a yearly subscription. All you have to do is visit dwellbible.com backslash overcomers, or you can click the link in the show notes to receive the discount. Hey, this episode of The Overcomers has been sponsored by the Acts 29 Church Planning Network with an invitation to our 2024 Next Conference here in April in Dallas, Texas. I'm going to be speaking alongside of a a stellar lineup. You're like, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, We've got Brian Loritz and Sam Alberry, John Piper, and more. Uh, And the hope of the Next Conference is really what we're trying to do is equip and encourage you as church planters and church leaders, really regardless of the type of church or type of ministry that you're in. And I would love to see you there. To learn more about this and to register for Next, you can just go to acts29.com backslash next. And if you're an Overcomer listener, you're gonna have a a special discount, like $20 off registration if you use the code OVERCOMERS. And so you can apply this discount to the early bird prices before December 31st, or the regular rates that start in 2024. That's axe29.com slash next. Look forward to seeing you there. Okay, have the surgery. And then we're like, okay. Yeah, we, surely. Surely we've got, yeah. we, we've got kind of clear horizons heading into... You know the the girls getting very vocal and very mobile. And yeah, Ava got her. It was perfect timing when I had the surgery because it was like right when. No, that was my hip surgery. I was like, Ava just got t- turned sixteen. That that's yeah, another no. surgery. Yeah, we'll be um, we'll get to that surgery. Yeah, we got no, we got a couple girls, through things. To yeah, get through. the girls were at an age and busy with school and dance yeah. that you know I. I could take some time off, yeah. and um, they're very capable yeah. young ladies. So, um, much so, but even my surgery, it's almost comical um, to wake up from that surgery and the doctors say, "Well, it was a little more complicated and unique than we anticipated." And I'm like, "That is how I roll." <laughs> apparently, that is the theme yeah. of Katie Murph. Um, so I had apparently a bunch of small tumors and all of the nerves and muscles that kind of hold your uterus in place. And so aside from just removing the uterus and some of that stuff, um, they had to cut out dozens of tumors. And so that recovery just was a more difficult and longer recovery than just your typical hysterectomy, all those nerves and muscles trying to, you know, reattach or, um, so had that, had that surgery, had a, had a longer recovery with that than expected, but it was still fine. And yeah, I gave myself a good long time to recover. And probably, you know, six plus months after that, I decide I'm good, man. I'm going to yeah. Just start trying to exercise again. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hire a trainer and I'm gonna do it right. And and really, this whole time prior, I had been exercising five days a week. I've always been very physically yeah. active, even through the endometriosis, paused with the Lyme disease, sure, because um, I couldn't even go up the stairs. But um, you know, other than that, I'd, I'd always worked out, and it just was something that I enjoyed doing. And I felt great, all that. So I'm like, I'm I'm ready to get back into working out again. 
doing very minimal working out. Um, but but one day I'm warming up with walking lunges, and she gives me you know an extra set of weight. So I've got some a little bit more weight, and I'm just doing my walking lunges, forward lunges, just around the room. I do this two times a week, no big deal. Well, this day, I just I guess I did a super lunge. I don't know what I did. Something popped like in the back of my hip or kind of where your hamstring meets your hiney. And I was like, oh, shoot, I think I hurt myself. Dadgummit. I don't know what I did, but really hurts. So I finished working out, but I just didn't do anything down there. I mean, I did some other things that, you know, didn't bother it. But I was like, I think I hurt myself. That's not good. Now, at at this point, is there starting to be like a script that forms in your mind and heart about, well, here we go again, or? Not really, and I and I think that I've recently learned this about myself. I'm really forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and so even when, you know, you and I had a conversation a while ago, just about some of these things that I've walked through in the last just decade. Yeah. I was like, man, I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow, that did happen, didn't it? You know, so I feel like I try not to look in the rearview mirror of things that have happened. I mean, I definitely want to learn and grow from them, but I'm like, what's next? Yeah, you're future oriented. Yeah, yeah, I'm just future oriented. But one of the things, and and I know we, I want to keep talking. That one of the things that I'd love to highlight about e- even your relationship with the Lord is that my experience as a pastor is that when people have just endured over and over and over and over again, one thing or a variety of things, if they're not careful, it kind of becomes their identity. Mm-hmm. That yes. I'm the sick person or I'm the person that bad things happen to or I'm the person that can't get free from or I'm the person that... And and one of the things that you know I say to Lauren often about you is to if, if you knew nothing about Katie and Matt Murph, and you just met them, and you just, for six months, just interacted with them, you would have no idea Mm. all all that they've endured and walked through together because you just kind of still exude the joy of the Lord. And I know you've had dark nights, and we'll talk about those. But um, I I was curious that, you know, even at this point in the story, is there starting to be a... um, like a script, like here we go again. So it's it's interesting to hear. That Not yet. The okay. script that script yeah. does come. Well, but, I mean, we've had conversations. I know it yeah, comes. Yeah, the script comes. But I think at this point, not yet. I think at this point, I'm like, shoot. I was just like getting. I mean, my 40th birthday is is you know months away. I mean, a good while away. Yeah, but I'm you're like, gonna fit by I'm 40. Get, yeah, fit by 40. I'm gonna go into my 40s like a boss. Yeah, is what I'm thinking. I mean, I'm not training for the Olympics, but yeah. like let's let's turn 40 in a strong and healthy way. Yeah. Anyways, weeks and weeks pass by, and then the front part of my hip starts hurting. It never hurt before, yeah. you know, and and I did not even associate that walking lunge with this hip pain because at this point it had probably been about a month and um, the back hamstring or back glute area if you will like that kind of went away and all my pain now was at the front corner of my hip and at the front so I was like where is that coming from that's weird I just woke up so yeah go to an orthopedic surgeon and I'm like this is what's going on and he's like I think this is what the problem is let's just try a cortisone shot in the bursa first and just kind of see what's going on there did the shot got relief for like three days and then it was back in full swing really, really painful, was doing physical therapy, got an MRI. Um, MRI showed that I had torn my glute medius and my glute minimus. Okay. And that I also had a labral tear 
um, in my labrum. And so, again, it was like, let's try to do everything we can before just jumping to surgery. And so I did PRP injections. I did more cortisone. I did a boatload of physical therapy and stretching. I did anti-inflammatory eating, just medications. Uh, And then we eventually go to pain management where I see a pain management doctor. And now we're just trying to find the right pain pill, you know, and that did not work. I really did not get relief um, substantial relief to just be living on pain medicine. And I'm like, this yeah. is not, this is not going to cut it. I, I don't want to be taking this medicine if I'm not pain-free yeah. and it's really doing something. Otherwise I'm just taking all these pills and that's a whole nother set of problems that could show up. Yeah. So meet with the doctor and I'm like, this is not, this is not going to work. And so only a handful of doctors do this type of glute repair in Dallas. And so he had to refer me to someone down in Dallas who was excellent Decide. Okay. Going to have the surgery. Got to have this massive surgery, which the glute repair itself is a beast. Sure. It's one of the most difficult recoveries. A hip replacement was a piece of cake okay. compared to the glute repair. So that's really why we try to do everything to avoid that surgery. Yeah. Um, and you you are, and I and I appreciate it. We, I mean, we're we're kind of blowing through. That this is an extended season. Yeah, I know. Where it's okay. Where we are, you're you're kind of crew is around you and we're praying and we're yes. asking for relief and this is a kind of agonizing pain that really powerful um really prescription meds aren't putting a dent in. I right. mean they're just not doing anything for it. Um and and I remember, you know, long seasons of just contending uh, that the Lord would heal you, that He would lessen the pain. That um, I mean, you're not really able to go up and down your stairs. Yeah. You're we're we're back again, where yeah. the girls it's are the upstairs stairs. and it's you're downstairs. Stair. I need a one-story house. And you, I, yeah, I think you have one now. No, kinda. We've got yeah, yeah. Just the girls' bedroom. There's I mean, secrets. It's, there's secrets. It's almost a one secrets story. in that new yeah. house. Yeah. And um. And and so we're just kind of talking about like this is a yeah my hip hurt and it, yeah it was it was actually excruciating pain that that like wouldn't stop yeah <laughs> and yeah and no one could make it stop and that I mean that plays on you it does and it's interrupting life by the way too because yeah. you know there there are a couple times where I took the girl skiing Katie stayed home yeah it's like why are you gonna go sit. And, Which and Katie Murph don't ski. stay at home, right? That's, this is true. Or like, well, you know, if we're going on a walk or a hike, I mean, like it was. There was quite a season there that is. It's it's truly interrupting just the flow of regular life. Like yeah. we're doing things without mom sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I kind of forget again, just kind of telling the story and all of the things. It's to pause in this season and really um, talk about. Yeah, I. I could not go up the stairs. I physically could not lift my leg yeah. um, and push with my glute either to go up the stairs to tuck my kids in. Um, and so I I missed out on a lot. So here's probably where I started feeling robbed of yeah. participating in being a mom. And this is not the wife that I think he thought he'd be married to. Sure. I can't... Um, can't go out and just like run errands and and just go piddle with the family. I mean, yeah. just the walking and, and and doing all of those things was really really hard. And something that I feel like you know we can't miss is before I had this first surgery on my hip. Um, that's when we prayed at church, yeah. the elders. So that that is such a 
moment in my story in general of just, again, the Lord showing up and saying, I haven't forgotten about you. I think it's so important to note how important community is. Yeah. Um, having a community of believers that can rally around you and plead with you um, and pray with you and cry with you and be frustrated and 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 you can share genuinely how this suffering is. I mean, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. And there are moments of hope and, and believing like the Lord's going to bring an end to this. Yeah. Um, just don't know I when. Think about going through any of that without close, good yeah. friends. Because well, I think we've all had seasons in life where we didn't have Good friends, but they're kind of like, Meh. but when you have close, yeah. good friends, you got a crew, some rider dies. Yeah. Like that was oftentimes the, the bridge to staying alive. I couldn't sleep. I was in so much pain, aside from just trying to walk around my house or drive my car, you know, taking my foot from the gas to the brake. Oh, yeah, there was a season where yeah. that was a problem. You know, that part is torn. So just if I'm in traffic, like I'm ready to pull over and just throw in the towel because just moving my foot from the gas to the brake to get to and from school or to and from dance or heaven forbid I go to the grocery store. That was really challenging. Just basic daily things that we all take for granted, which is a constant reminder of there's something seriously wrong and just the amount of pain that, you know, pain medicine wasn't touching. And so that was hard because I wasn't sleeping and I couldn't sit for more than five minutes and then it just starts burning. And then I couldn't stand and then it just starts burning. And then if I started to move, like it just... No matter what I did. There was no reprieve. There was no reprieve, even even trying to sleep at night. No reprieve. Yeah. And so that was really, really hard, um, which is how I got to the point of we've got to do this surgery because we've yeah. tried everything and nothing is working. I was at Encounter, and I felt like just in the middle of worship, the Lord had kind of said, have you fasted and prayed over this? Like I have been praying and talking to the Lord yeah. daily, um, but I hadn't actually fasted and prayed over this. So at the end of that, Lauren comes over and she's like, hey, I was praying um, tonight and I just felt like the Lord told me to maybe ask you, if you, have you considered fasting over this? And I was like, well, by God. <laughs> well, here he is. Here he is again. And so I had decided, yeah, I absolutely think that's something that I need to do. And I am shocked that I haven't already thought to do that. Yeah. You know. Anyways, so that week, it's a Wednesday I, middle of the afternoon. I yeah. decide Small group. I'm going to fast. I'm going to fast for 24 hours or maybe two days. I don't remember what I decided, but you guys encouraged me. Come to church on Thursday. The elders meet and pray on Thursday or whatever. So come and let us pray over you again. You guys had laid yeah. hands and prayed hundreds of times at this point. But this was, let's 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 rally. Let's let the elders yeah. and our prayer team and the people that are there on Thursday, let's do that. And so I had been fasting and praying and and, and here we go. So we pray that day. And we get in the we get in the room and um, just everyone lays hands and just people just start praying. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. So they they're done praying and they're like, okay, walk around. How does your hip feel? Do you feel any different? And and I'm like, no, I'm just still in so much pain. <laughs> We're gonna pray again. We're gonna keep praying. So they pray yeah. again. And then we kind of do this series several times, yeah. you know. And so then we stop praying and they're like, okay, walk around. And I walk around and I'm like. I have no pain. And then I'm like checking myself. Are you, is this adrenaline? Are you like, is this? And I'm like, no, this is real. And I'm moving around and I'm kind of, you know, moving my leg and I'm trying to be like, is this real? This is, you know, and I'm like, I literally have no pain. And it was, it was crazy because Stephen, who was there praying, 
he was like, man, when I was praying, I just kept getting the number seven in my head. And then Lauren was there as well. And she's like, I counted how many times we prayed and we prayed seven times. Yeah. And so that was just pff, holy ghost stuff. I mean, yeah. it was like, wow. And so I had no pain. And this was like for for our crew, this was huge. Huge. I mean, huge we've been praying so much. Yes. And then, oh my gosh, the Lord yeah. just healed Katie. And and I walked out of church that day just in not in disbelief, but walked like differently. Yeah. I was like, walking I've straight. Been watching her I had walk a free. massive <laughs> limp for I mean Yeah, it was notable. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden it was <laughs> just like funny. perfectly fine. I just walked normal. And I just walked to my car and went on. I had three days of this. So even when I got home, I was like, okay, is this adrenaline? Like, I'm <laughs> like, probably coming back. trying not to doubt like, the Lord or question yeah, that yeah. this is real. But I'm like, is this real? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sure was. I mean, I had three solid days of no pain. I slept for the first time um, in, in a very long time. And then the pain slowly started creeping in after that. But I feel like that was the Lord saying, I, I've caught every tear. Yeah. I, I have been with you this whole time because I've had moments on like, Lord, where are you? Where yeah. are you in this? I mean, I, I know that you have equipped me to do great things and I just can't do them because I'm sidelined right now. I physically yeah. am not able to do some of these things I know you've called me to do, like being a mother and yeah. one of them. Um, and so there's definitely been some frustrations, but I'm like, I, I just heard the Lord say, like, you've never been alone and I've been with you um, and I see you and I've got a plan and I've got perfect timing. Um, but I felt like he was so gracious to give me those three days um, that only he could give me. Just a reminder. That just I a see reminder you. that that I'm here. Yeah. And I needed that. That timing was yeah. very oh, it timely. Was, things were getting dark. Yeah. The pain came back and it um yeah, just was as bad as it was before. Um, so I ended up having to do the surgery. Yeah. Um, which was okay. Yeah. You know, the Lord heals through medicine and Absolutely through surgeries. And so like this was the plan and the path that we needed to yeah. go. And that surgery was a doozy. Yeah. And that recovery was unbelievable. Yeah. And and so we we get through we're not even through the hip. Like we just get through surgery one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Surgery one. And I do remember recovery was brutal. Like um can't get in or out of bed. Yeah. Can't get yeah, I mean it was 12 just weeks stuck, of stuck. basically being in bed because yeah. with this type of glute repair and the amount of damage that was done, I was on crutches for a while, for a long while. But after um, the bed. After it the bed, not. I could not put any weight at all on this leg or toe. Like I could kind of prop my toe up to just not let my leg hang, but I was not to bear any amount of weight on that for well over 12 weeks, but I couldn't get in and out of bed by myself. He had to come help lift my leg um, because, again, if I used any muscles or strength, it could actually undo the repair. Okay. So it's so important that I don't power through and that I don't just, you know— come back quicker than I'm supposed to. I have to really obey yeah. the protocol and, and the recovery, which is so to tell hard. Tell a do-it-yourself or to stop doing is, yeah. you know, it's a little bit of a disruption. Talk to me, Matt, about, I mean, this is, you still have two young daughters now mm-hmm. that are very active socially mm-hmm. and very active in their sport, which yeah. is dance. Mm-hmm. They are, and and so you are, Caring for mom, mm-hmm. you are managing the household. Mm-hmm. You are Ava's not driving yet, um, mm-hmm. not, yet. not quite yet. Mm-hmm. And so we are like the dance thing is it, it feels out of control to me. And yeah, so was, you're up there yeah. six, seven, eight Several times, times a, day. a day. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. But <laughs> it was several it day, it. Most days were several times a day of going yeah. back and forth. Yeah. Um, because different ages, they dance at different times. So it's different drop-off, different mm-hmm. pickups. And, you know, get involved in some carpooling and things yeah. like that. But and then, it's a busy season. So I know Katie's, Katie's wrestle with the Lord in the seasons, maybe a little bit different than yours. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. She's, she's like, won't, won't you take this away? Mm-hmm. How long, O oh Lord? And then, you know, kind of ebbed and flowed between things getting really dark and her feeling like she just can't do this much more. Mm-hmm. And then having these kind of breakthroughs where the Lord shows up and just like puts wind in your sails uh, again for a little bit longer, reminds you that I see you and I haven't forgotten you. It, what it, talk to me about, it, it's one thing, I think, to endure it. It's another thing to watch someone you love endure mm-hmm. it. That's a bit of a mm-hmm. different. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your own relationship with the Lord in this season, watching Katie seemingly not be able mm-hmm. to catch a break. I think I would just call it volatile. Okay. Um, I know that God has a plan. Yeah. Um, but I, I often am very particular about the timing that I would like. Sure. And um, none of that was really happening. So I think one word that comes to mind was just frustration. Because that the recovery from the glute repair surgery, I think without question, was the hardest thing we've ever done. And I'm saying we, it's really like she did it. Yeah. You know, she is the one that is enduring it. But I think through those moments of constantly back and forth, you know, um, with dropping girls off, it, it's, you know, and everywhere. It seemed like I had to go 100 places a day School, almost. church, dance. And it was yeah. just, a, you know, I was wearing down and and just frustrated. And I think I, the God got me through it because yeah. I was I was definitely, I think I would, I think there are a lot of days where I woke up already at my wits, just right there at my wits end. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's just day after day he after day after day. never showed that, though. It's, I never oh, saw him so short, like, totally If it's a scale of one to 10, it's like, well, I'm going to bed at a nine. I'm probably waking up at the same nine. Waking up at like, a 7.6. So, <laughs> you know, the, you know whatever, whatever hiccups coming this morning, it's just like, yeah. oh my gosh. So I, I think that anyone who has a family can appreciate, like, this is a volatile time. Mm-hmm. Um, mom can't get out of bed. Dad, I, I'm mm-hmm. running wild mm-hmm. here uh, between church and school and mm-hmm. dance and caring for my wife. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I can imagine that. It, I mean, I think, again, anybody who's watching this would be yeah. like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I could imagine if I was the and only th- capable parent for 12 weeks, except single mom. Single mom was like, whatever. But I think uh, I expected more from myself during this as well, okay. because like we had, like we have a crew at church. We got such a great crew, we got great friends. So we had a meal train that was out of this world. I mean, it was just every day for the longest time there were meals coming. And, you know, I'm not working at the time. So it's like, if, if clear, like if there was ever someone that was going to step up and do this, well, this is a, you know, I got a good hand of cards to be able to, yeah. to do this with. And even with, I think, all these advantages, I was like, I'm wearing out. Yeah. You know, wearing out. And so there, I think there were just moments of where there were, there were days where both of us were just like, we just hit our 10. And you're just kind of like, what? Got to go to bed. Is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. We start physical therapy and, you know, just very light, easy protocol. And I just, you know, it hurts because I've been in bed also for yeah. like 12 weeks nearly, you know. And so just moving your body again from any surgery or just being laid out like that, it's going to, you know, it's going to be a little rusty. And so there is some pain with having to 
healthy pain with reusing yeah. some things. Um, and so I just remember physical therapy, it just hurt, you know, it hurt a little bit and I'd have to take some more pain medicine when I'd go home and anti-inflammatories and all the things, but it just like never went, like it just always hurt. And even trying to get farther and farther along in physical therapy to be able to do more things and to gain more strength, it just hurt. Yeah. And then I'd go home from physical therapy and um, it just would really hurt. Um, and that just kind of kept getting worse and worse and worse to the point where I was just like, What was that surgery even for? This is like, not right. Even yeah. though we know it had to happen, it was just like, I think we felt like well, that surgery solved nothing. Yeah. yeah. Though it did. Yeah. It just felt like it did not. Right. And so go back to my doctor and and basically I'm like, okay, this is this is where I am, this is what hurts, this is what whatever. Another MRI and um my labrum is retorn. Okay, the labrum um, they had just fixed in the first... Yeah, the labrum that he had just fixed is torn. And so what I learned about myself and all of this hip shenanigans is that I have hip dysplasia, and I never knew that I had hip dysplasia. And so basically what that is is, you know, my pelvis um, doesn't grow out, the bone doesn't grow out over the hip joint and protect okay. it in the joint um, like a normal person. So I have a shallow and small hip socket, if you will. So that ball and socket is more exposed um, than a normal person. And so, which is why it retore. And he explained to me, um, because in that surgery also, I learned that I had a hip impingement and a bone deformity that I didn't even know I had. So they shaved part of the, my femur. There's supposed to be a curve in the front part where there wasn't a curve, it was just straight. Okay. So they had kind of reshaped some of the bones. They had done a lot more structural stuff than just some of the repairs. But he had explained, you know, with the hip dysplasia, you are just more prone to re-injury and re-injury. Okay. So he wasn't really surprised that my labrum retore. Um, I never had hip issues before. Growing up, all the years of college cheerleading, dance, all the things, never had any issues because I was so strong. Yeah. My core, my abdomen, my legs, I was very strong and I stretched all the time. Yeah. And so right before my first injury of my hip, you know, I was recovering from the hysterectomy. And so my abdomen yep. had zero strength. In fact, my muscles in my abdomen, my lowest abdomen, you know, they had been cut out yeah. with little tumors and stuff. So it was a perfect storm. And I think that's why my hip, and, and there's so much damage happened to my hip is because I didn't know I had hip dysplasia, but we removed all the strength and support and stability and then tried to yeah. work out with that. And so um, it just retore. Um, and so he said, honestly, this is just going to keep retearing and we're not going to just redo this Attach repair every, every six months. And so, you know, again, he's like, you can try to do physical therapy and power through. I mean, people, there are people that can live with torn labrums yeah. and stuff. You know, this is something that, depending on how bad it is, um, you can live with it and you can do physical therapy and strengthen the surrounding areas and it get, it can be a doable thing. Yeah. Um, but he's like, ultimately, I think you need to consider a hip replacement based on what your genetics are and the okay. way your bones are. It's just like, it's just going to probably just keep getting worse. And so ultimately you will just, if you, if you want to fix this once and for all, and cause my biggest complaint was I'm, I'm young. Yeah. I have kids. We are an active family. We are scuba divers. We go snow skiing. We go snorkeling. We travel. Like we are, we like to go and do, and mama can't go yeah. and do anymore. And I've been doing this for years and I, I'm ready to get back to life. I'm yeah. ready to get back to living my life and participating in these things. And so he said, then you need to get it replaced. 
and okay. get it fixed and then recover from that. And then that is your best shot at getting back to things sooner rather yeah. than let's just keep putting a Band-Aid on it and more physical therapy and more injections and more pain medicine. And then eventually you're going to have to have the surgery. You know what I'm saying? So, so what was it like to, and again, I want to, like what's your conversation with the Lord like, Katie, when you, you have this massive surgery that we're kind of pushing our chips in on, this mm-hmm. is going to solve this, yeah. this thing that's been going on for years, mm-hmm. this thing that's robbed me from a dozen things that that I would want for me and my daughters and my husband. And, um, and then for recovery to be as brutal as it was and that did not even really fully be out of recovery from that before you hear, hey, we got to do that again. Devastating. Yeah. It was devastating. Um, I just was so frustrated because I I didn't understand or see what the Lord's doing in this. Like, why? Like, you can say a word and heal me. Yeah. You can make all things new, you know? And so, won't you? There were tears. Yeah. Many, many tears. And and there was also... Well, I I mean, I remember you went went dark, right? You were like, I can't, I don't want to talk about it right now. I just can't. Mm -hmm. Just pray for me. Here's what, which for you to say, hey, don't swing by, don't. Leave me yeah, alone. Right. I need to, <laughs> That's a lot. I need to, yeah, for I just need to, to be say, by myself, yeah. which is not yeah. a Katie Murphy. And there was even a point, um, which I haven't said this out loud other than to Matt one time. There was a point during that first glute recovery where I was in bed. It was during Snowvid. Okay. I where we were iced in. We power were iced outages. in, no power. And during that time, during I had. recovery, we lost power. I had an ice over. machine during that recovery that wrapped around oh. my stomach, around my hips. And down my that plugs leg. into the yeah. wall. And it was a constant ice machine to keep the swelling down. Yep. And that's when we had Snowvid. That's when we lost electricity. So it is 30 degrees in our house. I have all of my ski clothes on that yeah. I can get on with this yeah. surgery. I have mittens and layers and I'm sitting there. And as soon as we get electricity, I'm not going to be by the fire. I have to turn my ice machine on. Mm. And I remember having a dark moment yeah, of, like, if you take all those pills right now, yeah. We're done with this. Yeah. That was dark. That is. And I, he came in the room and I'm, I'm like having a breakdown. I'm literally losing my mind in this moment. So I just remember thinking, I just cannot live like this anymore. Yeah. I, I cannot just wake up and roll like this. I'm just, I'm yeah. done. I'm, I'm maxed out. And I don't, I don't know. I just was so frustrated with God and just, where are you? Where are you? I I don't know. I don't know what you're doing here. And I know that you're good in all things. And I know that I'm not alone. And I had so many constant reminders. And I had great friends. Again, community is so important. Show up at my door and say, we're going to lay hands and we're going to pray. We don't, we don't, I know you don't feel like it, Mm -hmm. um, but we're never going to stop asking and we're never going to stop pleading. And so I think I think there's so many things looking back that were so timely that my soul needed, that yeah. God sent people. He sent friends or He sent a scripture or a song. Um, I got through so much of this through music, actually, just yeah. some worship songs. That really resonates with me is, yeah. is music. And so, you know, somebody would send me a song or randomly send flowers like, hey, I'm yeah. just thinking about you. And it's like, little did they know, this is a day where I'm about to crumble. Yeah. Um, and so I think... That's kind of how I got through some of this. But just the Lord in the moments of, where are you? Yeah. I am in a desert. And I, I know that you are good and that you are here. But like, help a sister out. And there's another surgery on the horizon yeah. here yeah. at a point where both of us have 
zero faith that this surgery now, like, yeah. we're gonna be we're the losing hope bullet. in modern medicine yeah. at this point. It's like, <laughs> yeah. we can just surgery this thing as many times. Yeah. It's like, and then what? We're yeah. going to surgery it again? Yeah. Gonna, I mean, like, what's next? So it was having to go through the hip replacement with no faith that that's actually going to do anything, yeah. but still knowing we got to do it. We're what not going to stop throwing darts. Yeah. Like, that's kind of our, we don't have a motto, but, like, it's like, we don't quit. We're going to yeah. keep trying. We're going to throw darts. I'll find a dart yep. to throw. So we have the hip replacement, and our hopes are, I mean, they have literally cut the bones out, and we've replaced them with, like, titanium and all the things, and I'm a robot. You know, yeah. this should solve the problem. And um, I'm doing physical therapy, and it's just still hurting. It's still, you know, in a different way. But again, it's all expected. You yeah. don't just bounce back from that surgery and nothing hurts. And there's the process, right? But things just hurt. And I'm not able to progress in physical therapy like a normal hip replacement. And so we're just trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. Why does this hurt? What are we doing that makes it hurt? I'm back at the doctor. You know, we're, we, we get an MRI. The implant looks great. That's a big concern. There's no infection. That's another really big concern. Yeah, it's at this point, my glute is retorn because during that type of surgery, uh, and I did the anterior approach, which yeah. is the newer, yeah. um, better From recovery the approach, they really have to pull and stretch everything out of the way to get to your femur yeah. and to get to the And hip then joint. once they put it in, they have to make sure that it's in. So they're rotating. Around. Like when you're knocked out, yeah. like, you know, they're doing movements that are not natural yeah. high or kicks. comfortable. There it is. You know, to, to make sure like, like hey, day. is this hip really in there? And, and, and so it's like, well, yay, that helps you tell that the hip replacement was good and it's definitely in there. Meanwhile, we're just probably tearing some other things yeah. that, are, that are not wanting to be torn again. Yeah. So I think that just kind of where they had to reattach the glutes from the first surgery, I mean, that was kind of already compromised because it had already been injured and repaired. And so I think with the brutality of what a hip replacement surgery actually is, yeah. it just kind of tore, tore again, again, just with them having to move it out of the way to be able to get to where they needed to go. And my hip flexor's really been bothering me. Um, just a ton of pain. I can't really lift my leg. It's hard going up the stairs again, these stairs. Stairs. Uh, lifting my leg is, it's still very painful and very hard and very weak. And we're trying to not do things in physical therapy that will aggravate that. So we're yeah. trying to make it not fussy. And um, so we're just very careful with everything. But we finally have gotten to the bottom of my hip flexor tendon, which is called a fancier medical term, but a hip flexor, my hip flexor tendon, the back of that tendon is rubbing against the metal of the actual implant. Okay. Paired with the retear of the glute med and minimus. So here we are. Okay. Yeah. So still in some pain, still in physical therapy. I, I think that if, if they haven't been able to follow the story, people who are listening, this is like we're talking about a decade here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not talking about like two years. Right. It, it's been like I, as long as I've known you. And so talk a little bit about even now, spiritually navigating a nagging, lingering, painful issue that just won't seem to go away. It's tough. But I will say today and in the last few weeks since we were able to take a family vacation, the Lord has given me a lot of relief. I am in the least amount of pain right now than I have been yeah. in three and a half plus years. So I, I have a great amount of hope in him that he's going to sustain me. And I know that there is going to be an end to this. Yeah. 
Um, but I feel through this whole process, specifically the hip, and there's even some stuff that happened between the two hip surgeries that yeah. we didn't, I mean, random hospital visits yep. and um, things that happened in that. I feel like I have been able to unearth some purpose and identity of my own yeah. that hadn't really focused on. And so I think that there have been beautiful things that have come out of this season of physical pain and suffering. And so I've kind of shifted my focus instead of sitting around constantly thinking about, this really stinks, why me? When is this gonna end? Waiting, 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 when, Lord? I can't do this to, what can I do? It's just, it's kind of changing my vision for that. And, um, you know, my identity is not this. This is a season and it's really hard, but I am not this injury. I am not just the constant problem. I mean, it seems like, I mean, my kids kind of laugh now because it's like, mom, you like can't even walk to the car without stubbing your toe (laughs) or like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's these little things that we kind of laugh at that it's like, oh my gosh, everything is hard. Every, the most basic things are hard. Um, but I think that my focus has shifted to, all right, God, how can you use me in this? Yeah. Um, you have gifted me in unique ways. You, you've you created me in your image and you have gifted me with things that are different than Matt or you or other friends that we have, you know? And so what can I do with that? Yeah. And, and how can I live my life? It might look different a little physically. Maybe I have a limp or Maybe I'm in the handicapped parking spot or maybe I'm in pain, but I'm able to still show up and participate in things. I've kind of normalized to the pain um, and I refuse to just hold back. I I would rather have pain with every single step and still show up and go to church, still go on a family vacation um, and, and do these things. I would rather be in excruciating pain then not do that. And yeah. so I'm choosing to move forward in that way, but yeah. also focus on what can I do? Yeah, that's good. So if someone's listening to this or watching this right now and they they can resonate with, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years for me. Maybe it's not their hip, maybe it's their back or, or something else. There, there's some other kind of constant reminder of, uh, the fallen state of the world, their own humanity, and and maybe they're they're in that season, that day, laying in bed in as many of your ski clothes as you could get on, <laughs> where yeah the power comes back on and everybody gets to move towards the nice cozy fire and you've got to turn on your ice machine and you just look over and go, man, I could just take that bottle of pills and this would be over. What would you say to someone who's they're watching this and or listening to this and man, they're they're just kind of done right now. And it's been a long time and they don't see any surgery on the horizon or some magic pill on the the horizon that's gonna make this thing go away. How would you encourage them uh, today, Katie? I think I would just say, fix your eyes on the Lord because the enemy wants to isolate. Yeah. He wants to get you alone and he wants to fill your thoughts with darkness um, and hopelessness. Yeah. And so it it's very easy to, to be in that. And so I think you have to be aware. I think you have to fix your eyes on Christ. And I think you have to have hope in Him. I think you need Jesus. I do not know how I could have 
walked through any of this without the Lord, without my relationship with the Lord, without my faith. My hope is in Him. And I believe He is a good, right, and sovereign God who loves me and cherishes me and sees me and, and is walking with me through all of these things. I don't know how I would walk and navigate any of this without Him and without um, my faith in Him. So number one, I would say if you don't know the Lord, get to know Him. Yeah. Um, he is a good, good Father, and He He fills every need and every hole that you might have, and only He is designed to do that. So so that's number one. Know Jesus if you don't already know Him. And, and if you do know Him, you have got to fixate on Him. Yeah because there are so many distractions and there is so much noise and the enemy wants to be a constant reminder of the pain and the things that you can't do and all the negative, right? And so you have to overcome that with what you can do and how the Lord might be glorified in this. I mean, I know that's hard to say and there there have been times when it has been hard to rejoice. It has been hard to find joy in this, but um, I've been able to do that and I've been able to worship and sing that until my heart believes it. Yeah. You know, so it's like a just don't give up and focus on that and and try to shut the enemy down yeah. because he so badly and desperately wants to isolate you, wants you to believe that yeah, this is never going to get better. Yeah. And there is no hope in this and you should probably just be done. I think we, you know, we say and I think we've said even several times here today that that, that the Lord has a plan. The Lord does have a plan. What that doesn't mean is that his plan, you're going to like every bit of it. Yeah. It doesn't, Lord has a plan doesn't mean comfort. Yeah. It doesn't mean fixing this physical material problem. So I think you've, we've, I think it's appropriate to lose the illusion of control that you think you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because something like this is a pretty abrasive showing of you're not in control. Yeah. And so, and I think it's, it's, it's best to accept that. And not be uh, forced into it. Yeah, I mean, because that's a big—it's a big deal. This is something that can remind us all the time. It's like we're not in control, but God is, and God has a plan. And it doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. It doesn't mean it's going to be fixed tomorrow, this year, whatever. But we've got to trust in—we've got to trust in Him. Yeah, because every—if if you know, I would say prior to any of this, let's say we remove every physical ailment that she's ever had, right? Would be a real piece of cake for the Murphs to be like, well. We're killing this. We're in control. Yeah. This is our plan. Just yeah. plan out day to day, year to year. And that would not be a good thing, right? Hate that this is the way that we get to be reminded that we don't have any control, but that's what it is. Yeah. You know, that God's in control. I just, I don't know how you can navigate life without it. Yeah. Even if you're a do it yourself or go get it, I fix it myself. If you want it done right, you do it yourself. Like all yeah. that kind of attitude is really just a probably a way to push away community oftentimes. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just critical. And I think we were blessed. We are blessed with really, really good friendships. There was a season in our marriage early on where we woke up year one and both of us were like, we got crappy friends. <laughs> like we're not like dying to go yeah. hang out with any of them and they're not good. And it's, and it's, and it's, there's either, you know, they're just not healthy. You know what I mean? And so we kind of early on in marriage decided, like, you know what we're going to do? So we're going to find some new friends. Yeah. And sure enough, surprise, you know, through church. And I mean, God gave us some, some lifers, yeah. some lifer friends and continues to do so. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that I don't know, I don't know how you live without it. Yeah. It's, 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 in, you know, if we were to even separate the biblical truths from that, there's all kinds of science of saying, yeah, the quality of your close relationships is the number one factor of determining yeah. quite a bit of your happiness, joy, contentment, blah, blah, blah. Sure. I mean, it's, it's pretty serious. And I, if, if you're, if you don't have a crew, if you, if you're hiding in the shadows of church and you haven't decided to get plugged in or that kind of thing, I mean, I don't want to, but like, that's where it's going to happen. That's where you're going to have good friends. If we, if I, if we laid out who are our 30 favorite friends right now, you know, where we met every one of them church, Yeah. you know, not the same church, but church. Yeah. It's just, that's the, that's a Christ centered relationship that formed there. Yeah. I, we can't live without it. I think we, because we've yeah. been there, we've been there with, it's like, this ain't working. This little friend group here. And, mm, yeah. You know. But I think too, just um, entering into the season and already having very close friendships and people that we do life with and can be completely vulnerable and open and honest about struggles and then also celebrate when it's time yeah. to celebrate, you know, was so important because for me, walking through this, I had those people send me scriptures or share songs with me. Or, I mean, you guys even came over to the house when it's like, I don't really want you yeah. to go over. <laughs> I mean, but literally, you know, you and Lauren are in, in that yeah. group, you know, where it's like, I've literally had friends hold me up when I could not get up. I've had people, Lauren came and sat at the foot of my bed and, and prayed with me and came and visited me. I've had other friends send flowers. And, you know, I think the Lord works through your friends. Um, and they maybe don't even necessarily know the the timing of it, but there were so many times over the years where somebody would just send me an encouraging text um, or just, I'm praying for you or ha following up on this or that or whatever. And um, I so desperately needed those things in those moments. And so if I did not have those people to drop everything and to come over and pray for the 500th time yeah. and just, not give up on yeah. asking the Lord to heal, not sending the text messages, not sending the worship song that really resonates with yeah. what I'm feeling in this moment. That would have been really hard. I would have felt a lot more hopelessness mm -hmm. than I ever had, you know? So I think that that really helped me be sustained. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. I know we're still praying and still expecting and still longing for the day where you're not having to choose pain mm -hmm. to continue to participate in the things that your heart is drawn to and that you'll be able to do that pain-free. And so till then, we'll hang on and continue to worship and cling to Jesus. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you. All right. Hey guys, Pastor Matt, hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Overcomers. You find your heart more encouraged in the Lord, uh, more dedicated to His kingdom. Uh, just want to remind you, if you found this helpful in, in this season of life, I this is what I want to do. I want to encourage your heart. I want to lift up your eyes and, and let you behold the beauty of Jesus. Uh, and so on top of The Overcomers podcast, uh, also started a website, just pastormattchandler.com. Uh, and on my website, 
there, there's all sorts of resources, but but you can also um, sign up for a monthly newsletter where I'm just trying to ring from the scriptures um, encouragement for your souls. And so you, there are two different newsletters. There's one for um, just everyday Christians seeking to be faithful where they are. And then there's a there, there's another newsletter uh, for pastors and church leaders. Uh, and so sign up for either one of those or both of those. Uh, but man, look forward to staying in contact with you. God bless you.